Are you in the corporate optometry world and thinking about getting into private practice? Lost? Have no clue? Just want some good pearls of wisdom? This is the episode for you. I'm talking to Dr. Maria Sampalis, who runs the Corporate Optometry Facebook group with over 30,000 members in there. And, uh, you know, a lot of corporate doctors have private practices and they have, you know, their corporate locations and, and then... Uh, it's a nice hybrid, you know, doing doing both. So I'm going to give you some uh, tips in this Facebook Live I did with her. This is a rebroadcast. Do you ever wish that you could get patients to fill out information ahead of time? Get the insurance information, their address, medication history, allergies, insurance cards, the actual picture of the insurance card. Get that uploaded back into the EHR, into the exact slot that you would normally scan it in. The good news is new company and I'm helping co-found it. It's called Opti Express and we're actually specializing in patient intake forms. You may use Weave, Solution Reach, Intake Queue, Jot Form and they, a lot of them produce just PDFs or they only input a certain you know fields back into your EHR. We are the only software solution to do patient intake forms 100% custom and for a very, very reasonable price starting at $60 and going up to $150 if you want ultra customized. Now, being the co-founder, if you go to the link in the show notes, you'll actually get to schedule an appointment with me over Zoom, and I'll walk you through how amazing this product is and how much time it can save your front desk. You don't realize it, but you probably pay your receptionist five dollars to $15,000 a year just to do typing. They're sitting there typing. You're paying them to type when the robots of my software at OptiExpress can do it for you, can do it more accurately. Oh, gosh, I want to save you time, so I look forward to seeing each one of every on a demo so I can improve your front desk patient intake process. Hi, everyone. Dr. Maria Sampolis, thank you for joining us today on the Facebook Live event. I have the pleasure of having co-founder from iTrepreneur, Perry Brill. Hi, Perry. How are you? I'm doing well, Dr. Sampalis. So I've been following your corporate group for a long time, and I glean a lot of knowledge af after it. Um, you know, as you know, my dad's worked in the private sector for like 40 years, and so I have absolutely no clue about corporate until I go in your group. The most exposure I've ever had is, you know, going to the mall as a child and seeing lens crafters like just banging busy. I'm thinking, what is going on in there, you know? Yeah, it's it's a it's a not a lot of information out there. A lot of docs don't have it, so I think that's a it's a good group where we can get real information. Od to od, and 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 some opticians are in the group as well. Um, what the industry's changing now, right? So I feel like a lot of doctors are going into this route now because of student loans and things like that. And you know, some of them love having a sublease, and you know, some of them are looking to open their own practice. And I said. Who else can I get on this um, this podcast than Perry? I think who's got a lot of information on opening a practice, uh, a lot of optical knowledge. You know, I see your uh, Facebook group, I Entrepreneur. I do learn a lot, and I think we have like same philosophies on frames, labs, things like that. Um, and I think there still is a profit in it. Um, let, give me a little bit of background on you, your group, and what you think about doctors. You know, maybe starting at a CO and and going into private. Right. So I, um, during college, I got an optical job just because for really beer money and I was bored uh, and I didn't realize it, but I loved it. I like the technical side, the fashion. 
Um, from there, I, I went to work for my father for about eight years and managed his practice, real state of the art, just beautiful, 7,000 square feet, eight lanes. And sometimes you don't know what you don't know. You could be in what you think is the best practice ever. And then you go somewhere else. You're thinking, oh man, this one's even better. And that could be in the corporate setting. And then going from corporate to corporate, even it could, there's different tiers. And so there's not a better, now is the best time to be in practice. Even with private equity happening right now, it can be very daunting. It's the best time because you can truly differentiate yourself. And um, you only need to be 10% better. You don't have to be that much better. You know, you don't have to have granite floors and all this stuff. You just have to, you know, have the smallest improvements to be better than um, the other person. So I managed this practice for eight years and I learned ins and outs of operations, retail sales, um, implementing medical and doing marketing. Um, but I would love to just, you know, inspire some other folks here who may want to move to private or maybe they want to have two locations, one private, one corporate. Yeah. And what's a good thing about corporate optometry, some brands have no problem with it. So a lot of doctors will have a Walmart sublease and a private practice, Warby Parker sublease and a private practice. And, and they have the kind of best of both worlds where they don't have to kind of worry if they're making rent that much because one, one helps another. So that's been a good option. But I get a lot of doctors that will call me and say, hey, I've been at this practice for a long time. I have a good following. Do you think that I can open my own? I'm not, you know, I feel like I've kind of maxed out on my potential. I'm, I'm really, like, one of my goals was to have this. Um, so, I, you know, one of the myths in corporate optometry is that these patients don't follow you. And they, they do. I mean, you're not going to get everybody, but I think patients do follow you. And I think that's an easier way to start a practice instead of starting cold. You have a patient base, they already know. And, um, you know, I, I think that's kind of a good way to really start a private practice is go yeah. this route. And I'll give you we an don't example. really hear a lot of that. Yeah, you know, I'll give you an example. Um, I've got a, a good head of hair on myself. And <laughs> it's hard to find someone to cut my hair that I like. Okay. And so the my most recent place I went to for four years, you know, kind of upscale, um, one of those men's only places. And, you know, they'll give you a whiskey if you want one. You know, I never cared to have a whiskey when I'm getting my hair cut. I'm already too tired. <laughs> so that business went under. It failed during the pandemic. So what happened? She, I was her client. She was employed. However, I, I maintained my relationship with that person because I already went to her for three or four years. Why would I want to go anywhere else? And what did she do? She called, she texted, she emailed. So that is the easiest way to transition. You could simply, you could one by one email, you could do a MailChimp, constant contact. Those people want to come see you. You're so right. Yeah. They, yeah. You build a relationship, you, uh, even something simple as a rental photo, patients will follow you, right? And then you're going to see a lot of older patients. If you're, you know, you're doing the medical model, that's great. But a lot of doctors know how to do all this stuff. They get confidence in a corporate setting. And then they're like, I don't know anything about optical. How do I start this? How do I do this? And I'm like, well, Facebook is great, but you know what? Perry's group is, is so straightforward. It's not sponsor related. Perry says it how it is and you can make money right away. And yeah, the future is medical per se because of online stuff, but you're right. I mean, 50, 60% of, of, of um, income comes from optical. So let's continue to make money in optical. That's how these corporate optometry uh, offices are, are really generating a lot of revenue. 
Why can't you? Am I correct? Yeah. Uh, so I'll tell you the, the beauty of private is, well, first of all, yes, I operate uh, a company called Entrepreneur Media. We promote um, private practice, innovation, and we try to um, not have any corporate sponsorship in, in the group. That goes for small companies and big because it taints the way uh, we want to live. And so I think if you want to open a private practice, go to Vision Expo East, go to East or go to West. And if you've never been, you will literally be mind blown. It's football fields full of frames, contacts and equipment. And the best part is the networking. And so that's step number one, just immerse yourself in what's out there. You may see, you know, the Saflo, Luxottica, Markelin and Marchands of the world who we think are the four frame vendors. There's thousands of frame vendors. If you want to be even more mind blown, go take a trip to Italy. Um, go to go to Hong Kong. Um, those are definitely on my five year list to do. And the easiest way to win in private practice is by purchasing brands of frames that other people don't carry. And you may think to yourself, well, nobody's going to know about that frame brand. Well, that's exactly the point. Like, um, you know, we all buy. Why do people shop at Whole Foods? They shop at Whole Foods because they want. They want to get some weird snack or chip or sauce that they've never had before. And it's fun exploring those things. And that's what small business mom pop does best. We have unique products. And that's why they'll go from um, a corporate place to a private to find those uh, very unique things. Yeah, that's unique. And then, but even some practices that want to have certain brands, right, um, in their practice, because a lot of them, Let's say they work within a Lux and then patients have been over the years. They like the Ray-Ban. That's what the only thing they get. Because I've had patients say, I just like Ray-Ban. That's what I want. And and that's fine. Um, you know, you said within the group, you know, you can have an account and things like that. But even discontinued stuff works. Um, and a lot of doctors don't know that where you don't have to pay an extra, a lot of money for your, you know, in your optical to have these frames. If you're starting off small or starting a new practice um, with discontinued, um, give us a little bit of advice on, on discontinued stuff. And what do you say to a doctor that said that hasn't done a seg height PD or anything optical since optometry school? A lot, I find a lot of them are nervous with things like that. And I just say to them, you have that every day in your practice within CO, like go ask the opticians, learn what, and see what they do. Yeah, what are you giving us advice? You know, when you open an optometry practice, you're going to have, you're going to have one employee likely. That employee is going to be an optician and they're going to be your, you're going to be, they're going to be your front desk. They're going to be your webmaster and they're going to be your optician. They're going to be everybody to you. So you overpay that person, whatever it is, just overpay them because you want loyalty. Loyalty is really important. You want them to care. And so hopefully you've been working for, I don't know, three, four, five, 10 years in corporate and I'm hoping you, you stashed away a little cash. And doctors are pretty trustworthy lenders. It should be easy to get a couple hundred thousand dollars. And I know you're like, ah, I got out of school. I paid my debt. Why would I want to take more loans out? Well, because the interest rates are low and you're going to make the money back. You will. Um, in terms of discontinued frames, um, well, first of all, what is a discontinued frame? I will say the moment a frame hits a store shelf, this could go for bread, could go for frames. That product is becoming discontinued by the minute. So we can't think of discontinued as bad. Like what's going to go wrong with a frame sitting on a shelf forever? Nothing. You know, the only time frames break are mostly from abuse. And that means sleeping on it, stepping on it. And, you know, patients are notorious liars. And we know that when it comes to simple things like 
we, we want to help patients and we, we expect honesty. Um, we've all been to Costco and like someone's returning a trash can from like five years ago. And so um, in terms of discontinued, you can buy, you can literally call Exotic up and say, hey, I want to buy some discontinued pieces. I want to bring 200 pairs in. That could be between like uh, Ray-Ban, Vogue, and Oakley. And they'll give you those frames perhaps at a 50% discount, which you can sell at full price. And immediately you'll have so much profit margin baked into there. And you're not going to have to worry about the risk of, oh my God, I'm sitting on 10 grand in inventory. What am I going to do? Yeah, I think that's good. I think that's a nice trick. And I think a lot of doctors, you know, feel like they have to purchase in and they have minimums and things like that. But I, I think that's a good point. And then the other thing too is, is labs, right? So I know when I started my practice, I was uncomfortable. I didn't know how to do certain things. But the lab is super helpful, right? Certain labs, they have trained people that have been in the industry. Some of our opticians, they'll come in and help you, um, you know, show you where to put the frames, frame merchandising. Um, you know, you kind of pick, am I, am I right? I mean, I have like two, three progressives that I use and I kind of, you know, it's like contacts. You know what your go-to are and some of them are going to be different because um, doctors are like, I don't know anything about progressives. I haven't fit anything. I haven't done anything. Um, but these people at the labs will help you and um, they'll help you troubleshoot too until you get the hang of it. Yeah. So generally what happens is legacy labs will come in. They'll have like a whole binder of just like, oh, there's my camera. It'll be like a 30 page stack of pages of progressives going all the way back to 1980. And you're thinking, yeah. oh my God, what am I going to order? But you nailed it. You're going to select one lens that's great for um, like driving. And then you're going to have another lens that's probably good for computer. And then uh, maybe one for mixed use. And you got three lenses. It's pretty simple. And there, I do want to talk about the pricing of lenses. Just because one, a, one progressive lens is $300 wholesale and another one is $100 wholesale, you can't make judgments about lenses based on pricing. You know, um, you know like for instance, if you were to buy a... Um, something on Amazon, an Amazon branded USB cord, and then you bought some fancy USB cord for triple the price, you wouldn't say, oh, well, the Amazon one's crap. No, it's, a cord's a cord. And sometimes I think we think too deeply about lenses. In the end, the patient is the one that decides if a lens is good or not. It's not you as the doctor or the optician because we're just a sample of one. Yeah. What about what about um, brands of, of, of lenses? Now, you know, are there like um, no name brands that are just as good? Uh, how does that work with with doctors that they pick? So if they want to just start small and not have a big lab bill and and still make the same profit, is that okay to you know have a certain price on those? I mean, and um, yeah, I would say um, first of all, let's talk about brand. You you as the private practitioner are the brand. It's the Sampalis brand. It's the Brill brand. And people come to you for that. Uh, I hate to say it. Nobody goes to their optometrist saying, I want those Zeiss lenses. Mm -hmm. You know, I would say Zeiss is probably more, is more well-known for telescopes or, um, you know, other products that they put out there. No one, the days are, are kind of over of people ask, asking for Verilux. Um, if you want to push brands in your office, that's fine. Just know you're opening up the opportunity for people to shop elsewhere based on brand. People today shop based on service levels. And that's what they want. Um, so yeah, there's about four major brands, Hoya, uh, Verilux, uh, Zeiss, and um, 
probably missing one, Shamir. And there are private, there are, all, are smaller brands, um, IoT and Disney Optical Technologies One. They're out of Spain. There's Optotech out of Germany. Uh, but the secret is all of these brands, there's only so many lens designers out there in the world. How many mathematicians and physicists are out there designing lenses? There's probably five, 10. I'm just throwing a number out there. So don't get hung up about the brand. Just, just really focus on getting your cost of goods down and trying out different quality. Um, don't get married to one lab. You know, would you get uh, married to one grocery store? No, you're going to you're going to go to three or four in town. And how many do you go to? I go to different ones, you know, yes. Whole Foods, you know, Market Basket opened over here, um, which okay. I'll go first thing in the morning. I know my, I know I can't go on a Saturday or, you know, over there. So it has to be during the week. It's just so crazy busy. But um, it's also what's convenient, too, and what's around. But. There's certain things I can only get at Whole Foods and certain things I can, you know, I can get at Market Basket. But, um, yeah, we go to different ones and sometimes it's stop and shop. So you're right. So they, it's it's different ones. Yeah. You know, you kind of mentioned uh, we're talking about busy periods here. You, I'm assuming you don't go on Saturday because it's too damn busy. Yeah, I don't have the patience. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I'm like, I'm like, I go like if, if I have Wednesday morning off, I go with the old people in the morning. <laughs> get it done. I, yeah. I know. I sometimes I'll randomly wake up at like six a.m. I'm like, I'm gonna go to the fancy grocery store this morning, so I'm not waiting in line. Yes. Yeah, um, but this kind of goes back to to busy periods. Um, labs get busy, and labs have highs and lows in terms of quality. So you always need to have probably two to three labs you work with at any period of time. You should have re relationships because when when a one lab is down, maybe their service level is maybe they're short staffed at the lab. And maybe your jobs were taking five days. Now they're taking 10 days. That's a time where you need to pivot your business to other labs and maintain those levels of loyalty is really helpful. Um, it kind of goes with, let's put this in terms of contact lens vendors. When you fit just J&J &J lenses, guess what happens? You're not going to be getting that, that Alcon fitting set. You're not getting the Cooper fitting set because you're, you're loyal to one brand. And that's kind of, that could be detrimental sometimes. Because you may not get that new toric or multifocal that they came out until a year later. That's correct. Yeah. So patients are seeing things online or seeing advertising and just want to show them they have the latest technology and whatever else. I think that's important. Even if they don't, you know, change. Some patients will stay happy. Some want to change and and get the next thing. Uh, for labs now, can you negotiate fees and things like that? Even if you don't have high volume. Yeah, totally. I mean, number one is. Um, you can join a buying group or an alliance group. Many of them are free and they have set discounts uh, that you can get through labs. And uh, basically it's, it's thousands of doctors that got together and they negotiated the lab pricing on your behalf. Um, so that's one way. Uh, the other way is you can um, call some smaller laboratories and um, my gosh, there, there's so many great small laboratories out there. And uh, just compare pricing, call five or six labs, get the price list and compare apples to apples. Let's say it's a Schmier Autograph 3 with Glacier Plus. Just give you an example. See what the difference is between pricing and just literally playing cards against one vendor, one vendor to the another. You can generally get your lab pricing down. And I know it sounds kind of like you're at a garage sale kind of, but you got to play hardball on these people because it, this is just business and it doesn't matter. Like. You want the best pricing. It's your duty. You're right. 
so, so you're right. I'm part of buying group, but you know, I said, hey, I'm just going to go local labs, things like that. And I've been able to negotiate prices down. Um, and you just you just tell them to come into your office. You just say, hey, this lab does this. Can you match it? I want to give you business, but we need to be with the same thing. And that, I, we've been I've been able to negotiate prices on that and stay competitive. And also with RX checks and things like that, where doctors were nervous, we get you know free and things like that. Um, for doctors that are looking for small labs, right? How do they find that? Like, where do they look for small labs? Because sometimes those go will go the extra step for you when you're starting a new practice. Yeah, you nailed it. The benefit of a small lab is um, they re they'll remember you when you pick up the phone, and um, so when you call and have a problem, it's likely going to get fixed. And let's say you're even having trouble with a patient. Like it's just beyond the patients describing their blur. It's blurry and they're dizzy and they're having trouble getting into the reading zone. There's likely someone on hand who's very technical who could guide you through some of this opticianry stuff that you're just like, I have no clue what's going on. Um, so that's nice. Your big lab. I don't know. depends on how caring they are. They may not have take the time out of the day to, to actually figure that problem out for you. Um, but how do you, how do you find those? Um, I would say join Entrepreneur Media Facebook group. We'll kind of tell you who our preferred vendors are. Uh, and you just got to try them. And I want to mention that the proximity of your lab to your office does not matter. I could be in New York and I could be using a lab in Arizona because overnight shipping is overnight shipping. You can get it from anywhere. And let's say your lab is 20 miles from your office. I mean, you're still going to have a courier that's going to bring it over. So it doesn't matter if it's local or a thousand miles away, the job will get where it needs to go in time. That's correct. Yeah. You know, when I first started, I didn't know it a lot. And, you know, I'd call the lab and troubleshoot and they would tell us, hey, you need this lens for this person and they'd help you. Uh, and the other thing, too, was when I saw in your group last week was um, you were recommending discontinued frames and things like that. And you and then we say the discontinued frames, they're quality. Right. So. I mean, how many do you really get that break it? And even if you can't find it, sometimes you can put them in a new frame. Patients are okay, right? Um, they are understanding, most of them. Um, but even so, like, I've had patients where we needed, we couldn't fit them in another frame. The lab, If you send it back to the lab, we had a good relationship. They'll either recut the lens as a, RX, as a warranty, and then we have that relationship because they're small, where the bigger ones say, no, it has to be the exact same frame. So it really depends on the lab. Um, and just you, you know, setting the guidelines, they want your business, there's competition that, you know, there is um, opportunity for you really to grow your business um, within the optical. And, and these are some great ways that you're saying to do so, especially doctors that come out of CO, they already mastered the, the marketing, the brand, um, the medical model, you have income, hopefully from from this. Now you also have an established patient base. And a lot of docs saying, hey, how, you know, I was either, you know, I just, I just can't do the seven days a week anymore. I, I've been terminated, whatever the case is, but how do I compete now for these patients to be able to survive? Um, and I say, I say you still can, and, and optical is a big way to do so. Um, any other tricks of the trade that you can, you know, help our doctors with that are listening? Cause I know you do a lot of consulting in the industry and help doctors start private practices. Yeah, I would say number one is you need to have efficiency and automation in your private practice. If you don't, you will <laughs> spend Saturdays and Sundays in your office doing mundane work. 
Um, that goes for payroll. I know these things are, um, I guess, well, in, in the corporate world, who's doing payroll? So for the optician side, that's corporate. But if doctors have their techs, they hired, a lot of them have big practice. They hire doctors. So the doctors are doing it on their side. Yeah. Okay. So similar. So they might already know a lot of those things. Yeah. They know a lot of things. The only thing that the doctors, when they go, they're nervous about is the optical side. And yeah, it takes time and things like that, but you get the hang of it, right? I mean, first couple of months is is, is hard, but you get the hang of it. If, if you have a good staff, that makes life easy. You have the lab and but you can negotiate your prices and then income comes, it's a big part, right? Are you seeing 50 or 60% of income coming from um, optical? What is your yeah, experience? And I, I, did, right, I did have a post last week and the whole industry has came up with this idea that optometry is going medical. And yeah, medical gets is great, but the truth is, as fast as it's going medical, it's becoming more optical just as much. It, we we all know in five years, every optometrist is going to have a e full blown e commerce store. And when I um, give you an example, I was at a trade show two months ago in Columbus, Ohio. I needed a computer screen for the trade show floor. I went online to microcenter.com. I bought the computer monitor online and I picked up in the store. And that's, if you're thinking about opening a private practice, you must have e-commerce from day one. And the great thing about being a new doctor with a private practice that's slower is generally the vendors are willing to give you major discounts because they know you're not revenue producing and over they're going to want you to grow over time with them. So you got to get online and, um, Patients are going to be ordering glasses on your website, picking up in your office. And it sounds like it's a whole nother full-time position to manage e-commerce. It's not these software systems already exist for managing eyewear online. You know, and I want to talk about affordability. Corporate optometry does one thing really well. They make eye care affordable and they make it approachable and transparent uh, in most situations that I've seen. I mean, I, I go to Costco and it's boom. Nye exams like literally plastered on the wall in size 150 font, right? And those are things that don't exist in, in the private world. And I highly suggest if you can figure out how to make pr tr pricing transparency better in your office, like totally do it. And I know like vision plans can complicate some of those things, but I'll give you one example. If you have a patient that comes in for um, contact lenses, and it's likely that you're not going to sell contact lenses and glasses in the same visit. If you can, like more power to you, but you need to have a backup plan to sell that patient a backup pair. And an easiest way is to have one to two frame lines in your office where it's a frame and lens package pricing. Your profit's going to be good and the, the selection is limited, but these can't be welfare quality frames. These have to be frames that can compete with the Warbies of the world who actually ha today have really nice eyewear at an affordable price. That's right. So one of the labs had said, hey, we have this package for your patients that just want something for the house or, or are looking to buy online and better quality. Um, and you still make money, right? I mean, there you can have the high-end stuff and then you can have the value. Um, and, but you know, you, you want to be, they want, want them to look nice. Uh, Warby Parker makes it affordable, easy, transparent, say, Hey, your glasses are going to be $95. Um, and they have frames there. Um, so what I've learned from there is, you know, some patients want the, the brands, so they want the nicer and some of them want, Hey, how they look and they'll buy multiple pairs. So why not present that to your patients? 
One other thing is, is that a lot of corporate optometrists take a lot of managed care plans. Um, is there any tricks on doctors that with VSP and things like, I think VSP is the more difficult one to understand when putting it through your optical. Um, any advice for these doctors when they start with VSP and start billing, um, you know, eyeglasses? Because I, I know you have another segment where to try to get off vision plans, but some of these doctors starting out will, will have to take it. Um, how do you maximize vision plans when you start a practice? Yeah. So in terms of maximizing vision plans, it's really simple. You want to sell the goal of business is to, to price things as, as the most expensive you can without getting pushback from a customer. So that's, so when you set your eye exam, uh, at 100 and nobody complains, set it at 110, set it at 115 and keep going up and up and up until you find that sweet spot where people start to kind of like, uh, I don't know, that's a little much. And so same thing that goes with vision plans. Uh, typically, uh, when you look at markups on frames, an average person will say, oh, you take a $100 wholesale frame, mark that up to $300. That's a 3X markup. But what if that frame could actually have a 3.5 markup? That means you would make an extra $50 on that frame. And then if you multiply that $50 by hundreds of frames that you sold every year, I mean, you're, you are talking five, 10, $20,000 in extra revenue. So that's how you maximize vision plans. It's not complicated. Sell products at the highest price you can without losing money due to people saying, I'm out of here. This is too much money. We all know when we're getting ripped off, uh, you know, you go to get an oil change and they're like charging $80 and you're like, what? That's a rip off, you know? Mm -hmm. No, that's right. Yeah. And then the lenses, you kind of, I mean, they, they have different tiers within the VSP and a lot of doctors don't know. I mean, obviously you want to have the, the premium lens with, with, uh, you know, the copay for 85 for AR. I mean, there's not a lot, any tricks with that and just, um, I'll say what's good for the patient is good for the practice because when you sell category DAR on VSP or premium number three on, on IMED, the patient's going to get a super slick AR. It's going to be scratch resistant, two-year warranty. The benefit to the practice is you're never, they're never going to come to your back to your office saying, oh, Dr. Simpalis, these aren't cleaning. The, the bacon creases ain't coming off. But when, when, you, when you look in someone's pocket and you sell them some crappy AR from that originated from 2010, guess what? That patient's going to be back at your office every three months wanting a warranty that's costing your staff time. So the, the goal is sell quality products and your patients will only come back when they, when they need you. Yeah. And I think one of the good things, I mean, there's a lot of bashing on vision plans, but like they do, you can give high end stuff to your patients. You have the warranty. A lot of, we've, we've done a lot more with blue light now and patients saying, Hey, I just bought them online at Amazon, but they're not working well. So you can explain it and say, Hey, you have VSP. Let's put on, you know, this blue light and depending on the lab you want to choose, um, either Prevencia or, or the VSP one, um, the, and then patients can, you know, will notice a difference. And then once you educate them, they can, you know, they'll want to have that. So if maybe next year they don't have VSP, they'll want to purchase something close to that. And then you can do, um, you know, you have your relationship with the lab. Uh, yeah. I had one other, I had one other thing to maximize um, reimbursements. Uh, buy now, pay later is literally the hottest thing out there right now. And if you don't know what that means, uh, if you have recently took an airplane flight or went shopping uh, online, it, it'll let you break your total bill into four installments or three installments. So 
that $400 pair of glasses that someone wants to buy from your office, that may be within reach now because they can break that into, you know, three payments of 133 bucks, or they could break that into 12 payments, 0% interest in many, in many cases. And so Sunbit is my, my preferred um, payment plan vendor. They work heavily in the automotive and eye care sector. The, the way you apply for it, number one, it's not a hard credit check. It's a soft credit pool. We could, you could pull my credit 50 times in one week and it wouldn't have no effect. And so you got to employ these tools to help people get the money they need. Um, you know, don't, what, what's better? It's much better to get a patient what they want now versus them being in remorse. Oh my gosh, I have to wear this crummy, ugly pair. I kind of, you know, that I could afford. Yeah. And you're right. I mean, I've worked with Sunbit and it's a great way to get them what they want and it's, it's a budget, right? And I think as now we're coming into Christmas time, people spending a lot of money and then January, um, you know, they're paying bills off. It might be a way to kind of get that extra pair of glasses, maybe get that sale for contacts, things like that to, to do that. But, you know, as of right now, from what I know at the store level, some of them don't have this option. I think they are going into it and, and it's going to grow, right? Um, and then, you know, for a corporate OD kind of, you know, transferring over to private practice, you want to try to keep it seamless and then baby steps on changes, I think, um, because you want to continue to have them come. Am I correct? What, what is your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, step one, find a location. I, I will say I'm, I think proximity to your house matters a lot. I don't, how, how far is your private from your house? Is it close or uh, far? It's close. It does make a big difference. I just looked at another practice for sale and I was just seeing how like what is gross was is net. And then I was like, I'm getting, I'm like, it's an hour away drive. It has to be crazy net to want it to, or, you know, do it hire a doctor. And, but it makes a huge difference. Right. So that's huge, especially when you have a young family. Um, but it was also when you're moving in CEO, it has to be close to your old practice. You can't be an hour away. They're not going to follow an hour away. It just doesn't make sense, right? Um, but if you're, I think some subleases are three to five miles. So it's radius. So it's large, whole thing. So you want to understand that and know. Um, and so within five, six miles, I think patients will follow. Um, and how, what square footage when people are looking, how about starting off? Do you, I mean, your father's got a busy practice, but no doctor's going to come out with 7,000 square feet. Yeah, no, I would say, look, let's say you've been in practice five years, you have experience, you know what you're doing, obviously, uh, in the the lane and managing techs and things like that. Shoot, go ahead and start with 1,000 square feet, 1,500 square feet. I will say I recommend two exam rooms minimum because you're going to outgrow that one really quick, really quick. And then you're you're like, oh, gosh, now I have to move again. Halfway into your lease, you're like, I got to move. Yeah, you want, yeah, that's important. You want to have an, uh, uh, enough space to grow in the future. Um, so that's important as well. And, um, you know, I think you got to be careful, though, with some leases, too. I've seen some talk to some doctors if triple net leases and things like that. Um, so you want to be careful on, on that. Um, and, you know, you know where it is um, and then who owns it? Is it a big corporation? Is it a small mom and pop who own the real estate? I think that's been important. That's a big factor in, in your success. Oh, huge. Yeah. And, you know, tenant improvements, hire an attorney, first of all, get an attorney to, to negotiate your lease, go through it all, make sure um, you're not getting screwed over. Because, yeah, if you sign a five-year lease 
and the carpet's dirty and the walls need painted, like that stuff should be included in some type of, you know, transaction that you're going to be doing. Yeah. Um, when doctors, I, mm -hmm. oh, sorry, go ahead. You know, another thing I'll add is look, signage is really important. You've got to have a sign on your building, whether you're strip center or, or freestanding. It's so worth it to spend the money on a nice LED lit sign because at night and during the day, like people will recognize that. But if you got this, if you have no sign or a tiny sign, you will go unnoticed. It's such a small expense. You may pay two grand for a sign or eight grand for a sign, but just imagine the eyeballs that see that during the day. It's, it's major. It's true. I got one on my on, on the building and it cost me 3000 but you get eyeballs and it's at night, right? So you're advertising yourself. That's huge. Um, when I started off, I bought used equipment um, that was working and now I'm re I've, I've grown. So, um, and I purchased the building, the practice. So I'm remodeling the building, bought new equipment and it's going to make a huge difference, right? So if you're in an older setting, uh, it hasn't been remodeled and you're kind of making it a nice like patients are going to appreciate, they're going to want that. They want to be in something exciting, lighting, right? So, and the patients want to support you if you decide to go that route. Um, patients, you know, and the patients that don't want to, or, you know, I, the way I see it, I mean, it's been my opinion, you don't, you don't want them there, <laughs> you know, if they're not going to. So you want to have fans. You want to have fans. And, you know, I'm going to throw this out there. I'm a big fan of Medicaid. I like Medicaid. Um, it depends on the state where you're at, but man, you can have such a traffic confusion to your practice. And a lot of doctors don't take Medicaid. They don't want to deal with uh, the class of patients or whatever their needs are, or they, they bring six family members at once and they don't like the traffic like that. But the truth is you can run quite a heavy volume of Medicaid patients through your practice. And you'll notice over time, they go from no Medicaid or they go from having Medicaid to being private pay or insured patients because or they just... pay or they have Medicaid and they buy the glasses out of pocket. Exactly. And you're right. You, I, the way, the thing that I really like about you is you think differently than everybody else. And we think the same on that way. It's money. They pay more than some of the vision plans for. Oh exam. my God. Kansas, they pay for medical like $80 on a frame. It's crazy. Right. Even frame, but even medical eye exams. Um, so these patients are loyal. They refer their family, friends, um, if it depends on the demographic where I am, there's a lot of Asian patients. Um, and I, I have staff that's Asian that can talk to them and they like that. They bring that in. Um, and, and that's so important with that. I have a different, the way me and you think we think the same, but uh, you know, a lot of docs are getting their information on a practice on, you know, from sponsored sources and things like that. And that's why I, I think it was great to have you on to kind of give them an out of the box thing how to open a practice, start a practice, grow a practice, and dismiss one of the myths saying that patients don't follow you. I mean, it's it's crazy. I mean, would you really not follow your doctor if, if you've been seeing your PCP for 15 years because they moved to the building down the street? I mean, it, patients don't want to be bothered. They want easy. They want in and out. Um, they want, they, they're just, they don't want to be bothered to try again if they're comfortable with you. You know, right. then patients aren't going to pick a frame over a doctor. I mean, I mean, it's just crazy to me, you know, and you have the opportunity to educate them. Yeah. And you, we all know even when patients hate your guts because you upset them somehow, they come <laughs> back in three years. They're like, okay, yeah, she wasn't so bad. You know, it's funny because I'll get some patients. I'm like, I thought they, they hated me. And I'm like, they still come back. Um, so sometimes it's just convenience for them. They like it or they like the staff or, you know, you just take their insurance. It just depends. Sometimes you can go out of your way and do so much and not keep a patient, but I think it's just kind of going there. But I think 
doctors having to understand PNL um, kind of, would you, would you recommend doctors once they start practice to kind of look weekly and then monthly to see what they're doing, how they are? And yeah, I think when you open a practice, things on the books day to day, you're, you know, your cash flow is going to be, you're going to look at your money on day one and you're going to like, wow, I have a lot of money in my bank account. And then two weeks later, you are going to have to pay payroll and then you got to pay your frame vendors, lens vendors, contacts, and then your cash flow goes way down. So if you look at your money on a day-to-day -day basis, you're going to, that's not a good way to manage a practice because it's, it's, it's like, so when you look at the stock market, you don't look day-to-day, -day. you look over a year, two years, three years, 10 years. And that's how you look at trends. Day one, hire a bookkeeper. I'll just tell you that right now. Hire a bookkeeper. It'll cost you a few hundred bucks a month and they're going to set up your books in the correct way so you can have a clean P&L. They'll help you know if you're if you're profitable or not. And something else I recommend is you don't have to do everything yourself. Insurance billing is super complicated. You don't have to be an expert. There's it's called revenue cycle management. Um, if you just Google optometry revenue cycle management, you'll probably find ten different companies who can help you submit medical claims, post payments, and um, if you if you're busy, look, they can be. Uh, that's a whole employee itself right there insurance employee who can you can outsource yeah any other advice for doctors starting out a new practice and how can they get in touch with you because i know you do consulting for that yeah um well if you any advice just get started and ask your friends and don't listen to everybody go with your gut you know it doesn't have to be that hard just just jump into it um if you want to get in touch with me um my email is uh perry at itrepreneur.com that's E-Y-E-T-R-E-P-R-E-N-E-U-R.com. Uh, have a Facebook group. It's heavily private practice focused. Uh, we get right to the grit of things, like you said, Dr. Sampellas. No sugarcoating here. Uh, it's a friendly group, but um, there's a lot of expertise in the in the, in there. So you know, there's a lot of great information and information that's not in other groups, right? And yeah. I'm like, okay, oh, I'm doing this too. All right. So I'm not an optician. I'm not saying, you know, you're the expert, but I'm like, I want to grow my optical and you know, I, I want to make a revenue on it. Am I doing this right by doing this? And I'm like, oh, okay, good. We're on the same page. Cause we're yeah. not, you know, we don't have that. I, a lot of practice, a lot of vendors will come in and be like, you need to be VSP premier or you need to be this. And then sometimes for me, what I find is um, I have to be kind of, um, you know, stuck with certain frames and things like that. And that pay more. I mean, that's how I viewed it, but yeah, my dad, there was a comment, um, or a post about VSP premier in the group last week. And, you know, my dad brought up, well, what happens when everybody's VSP premier? <laughs> Are you premier plus? <laughs> Is it like Disney plus, but VSP plus? Yeah, I agree. So that's right. So how are you differentiating? How are you still making the right profit? Are you still getting patients? And now that, you know, uh, they purchase vision works, how do you figure that out? What do you do? Yeah. And now, I mean, for sublease ODs uh, at VisionWorks, they're getting all these new patients. You know, if you decide that you want to have your own, then you're not that low pace value. I examined you were before because you have all this influx. So it's just you doing your information and getting that data that if you decide you want to have your own practice, that's that's an opportunity. So, you know, when doctors are some doc, I talked to a doctor last week, she says she's going to go into CO, but her ultimate goal is P PP, uh, private practice. And I said, hey, you know, it depends on the brand, right? Like you said, there's tears. So some brands, some patients are just there just to get what they need. And they and and that's fine. You'll let, 
But if, over time, there are patients that will be seeing you. There's certain brains you need to figure out what it is. Um, and the patients will follow you. So um, I think, you know, as the industry is changing, I think we're going to see a lot of doctors, instead of just cold start per se, they're going to have a warm start, I think, with being able to build, take patients from their sublease and, and follow them, if, if patients will follow them, if, if that's what they choose to do. Um, some doctors are very happy in CO and they have multiple subleases or they're happy to work three days a week and have a good income because the net is very good uh, at this point in CO unless your rent goes up and uh, other factors. But, um, you know, doctors are, are happy with, there's a lot of different things in optometry. So I think doctors can find a happy medium. Yep. It's all about just playing in the sandbox, having fun. Well, um, yeah, I think, thanks so much for uh, being on here. And I'll say this, like, if like you guys can, anyone who can direct message me, I don't want to be paid for every consulting job. There's, I, I can't handle it all. But if you have a question about, you know, lenses or contacts or what, what's the first piece of dry eye equipment I should buy for this? You know, like those things are simple that you don't need to think too much about it. Just have something. Yeah, join Perry's group and um, you know, bother him. He sends he puts his text message, his phone number out there. Just yeah. text him. I text WhatsApp, Facebook, TikTok. Yeah, it's text it all. So all right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. All right. Thank you. Bye. Five stars, four stars. Give me some type of star. Please go ahead and drop a review for Entrepreneur Podcasts. That way others like you can get the education they need that is just free of a bunch of corporate baloney sponsorship. Thank you.